0: That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No by law. plus. Terms and apply. See website for details.
2: This is Julio Rodriguez, and this is the Lookout Landing podcast.
1: Please could you be tender, and I will sit close to you. Let's give it a minute before we admit that we're through. I guess this is the winter. Our bodies are young and blue. It's the Lookout Landing Podcast. It's late, and this one is for you. What's up, everyone? Matthew Robertson here with Grant Bronson, fellow Lookout Landing writer. We are here for the second installment of our new series called Why I'm a Mariners Fan, where we try to get to the bottom of our own insanity, basically. And no better person to talk about... Uh, designed insanity than you, Grant. Welcome. Thank you. I am uh, very excited and moderately moved by that opening. You can thank Lord, famous singer-songwriter, wow. for that one. Yeah, um, so we, for anyone who didn't listen to the first edition of this, we are using our off-season as a way to explore our own minds, uh, us being the Mariner fan collective. Uh, if you want to listen to the first episode, go back and do that with our friend Zach Gottschalk, who is in the building, but not on the mic. Is that correct? Uh, not in the building yet. Not in the building yet. Couldn't burst in like Kramer at any point during this. Um, but we are going to ignore that and talk to Grant, who is a Lookout Landing writer, a baseball fan, currently wearing a Washington Nationals hat and T-shirt, which you might get into. Let's go Nats. on paper allegedly, a Seattle Mariners fan.
2: I was just told to root for any team that has Washington in it. Oh, I see. But I do not extend that to the NFL team.
1: Right. Hockey, you're in. WNBA. Uh, They're winning, so sure. It's a a title town right now. It
2: is, exactly. Title town,
1: USA, minus the whole football debacle. Sure, and we don't need to talk about the Wizards, although they have my boy, Rui Hachimura, who I will mention once again, will be a better NBA player than Zion Williamson, which is looking good so far. I mean... Zion, not ready yet. Zion Williamson is hurt, and Rui Hachimura is not. Not hurt, so who was right for at least one day? Matthew Robertson was. Um, But that's not what we're here to talk about. You can find other podcasts where people brag about being correct, but that's not what we're here. We're going to get into Grant's fandom. Um, Grant, you are... Seattle proper resident. Is that correct? Born and raised? Born and raised in Crown
2: Hill and then Capitol Hill. Wow, congrats. Thank so you. you
1: subscribe to the I have to root for the team that's closest to the hospital I was born in.
2: I wouldn't say I necessarily subscribe to that theory, okay. but in my case, that was not only the team that was very close to me, it was the team that was winning a heck of a lot when I was like six or seven years old.
1: Okay, let's get into that then. Let's go from the very beginning. When? So you were born when? Uh, born in
2: nineteen ninety three. Okay. So sorry if I make you feel either old or young on
1: the the other side of this. You're making me feel full of life as a spry ninety five (laughs) baby.
2: Well, so yeah, so born in ninety three and uh you know, my, my parents my dad was a baseball fan, but not an avid one. But I think right when I was starting to Uh, you know, like literally learned to read Uh was when the Mariners were doing well and my parents, uh, as readers of the newspaper every day, saw that I was reading and didn't like that I was reading the scary news section at three or four years old and said, Mm. well, why don't you read the sports section instead? That'll be a safer section that... You sure. know, shields you from asking questions like, "What does eight dead mean, mommy?"
1: <laughs> "Mommy, who's Monica Lewinsky?" <laughs> Is she on the Mariners?
2: <laughs> and nowadays, the sports section might be much more full of uh, unsavory stories. Yeah. But especially then, for better or often for worse, the the focus was really just on sports. Right. Um. So I ended up reading a lot of the sports section, and obviously, in the very late '90s and early, you know, early 2000s, the Mariners were doing quite well and so it was a lot of fun to be, be you kind know, of coming of age in that way uh, right as the the team is doing so well and was an engage- fun engaging team day yeah. in and day out
1: but do you think you said your parents were <laughs> journalism supporters and sports fans so do you think like it would have happened no matter what even if you had been born You know, into this current era of the Mariners, let's say Where they're really, really bad
2: I think so I think uh, my dad would have pushed me towards Being some sort of a sports fan He's certainly become more of a sports fan Because I've been really into sports But uh, I think there's something magical About the day-in, day-out grind of baseball That can certainly be wearing at times But can also be really fun to always have a game to watch And I think I would have appreciated that And I would have... You know, appreciated the game itself, uh, no matter how good the team was. Right. I don't know if I would have become as big of a fan had the first year I was on team, the Mariners, not won 116
1: games. Yeah. That helped. That's like your first memories of the team, is 2001 ish?
2: I know that I went to, you know, a game or two at the Kingdom, and I. Think I was a fan in 2000, but I actively remember going to opening day in 2001. Oh, wow! And going to a number of other games during that season, uh, including last week. I learned that Zach and I went to the same four to one uh, Tigers over Mariners oh, game yes. in mid August 2001.
1: Huge upset, relatively speaking, for yeah
2: baseball. The Mariners lost to an old knuckleballer and just a with Freddie Garcia and a
1: 116-win team Yeah, uh, on, uh, on their side. Great so. callback. We love that. Um, Zach did mention, for anyone who skipped that episode, uh, that his dad tried to sell him to Bobby Higginson after the final out of an inning by yelling, Bobby, seven-year-old here, seven-year-old! And then Bobby <laughs> Higginson just gave Zach the ball rather than purchase him from Mr. Gottschalk. But it's funny because... Zach told that story, and I was like, oh, Bobby Higginson, he was pretty good. And then I went back, and I was like, oh, he was very mad. But he was just the best player on that team. So in my head as a kid, I was like, oh, if you're the best player on a team, you're, like, one of the top 30 players in the league, you know? But so, he, he was not that, as it turns out. Speaking of the same kind of player, mm-hmm. uh, I have very strong
2: memories of getting a baseball handed to me by who I believed to be, and b- taking a quick look at the baseball reference page, I'm not completely sure. wrong. The best player on the St. Louis Cardinals, Woody Williams. Oh,
1: yeah, uh, great name. Too. So
2: great name. And looking at his career, just thoroughly unremarkably solid career yeah, with that... a career 103 ERA plus, and just you know a 132 116 record. He just was a dude who pitched a lot of innings. Yeah, Woody
1: Williams walked, so Mike Leake could
2: run. <laughs> i've often said that it's a good saying he also had a great season the year where i got a baseball from him though. is the oh. one year he made the all-star team oh you so should have held on to that i i still have it somewhere but there's no way to tell that that was the ball handed to me by woody williams right right
1: right interesting i think one of the things that still keeps me like not young but like keeps me like sort of like joyous about baseball is realizing that a lot of things that i love about it are the exact reasons why people hate it like there's too many games like it's you know it takes a certain level of attention like it's very slow yeah. All all that there's like players who like like well, woody williams or bobby higginson who like you don't remember unless you're like really into it and it's that kind of thing that like isolates a lot of people like you bring up bobby higginson in a baseball conversation and people are like i don't know who that is, or what that is? Why are we talking about? What it? is a Bobby Higginson? But I love a conversation about random guys from my childhood. Yeah, and I also
2: think there's something about just that everyday cadence of baseball. Yeah. Some people love having one football game a week that you sit down, you watch that with your friends, you have a good time, and you center around that. Yeah. I think, especially as I was growing up, just having the rhythm of uh, you know a baseball game every single day, or obviously almost every single day right. from April through September. And, you know, I would get my homework done or I would be, you know, spending time watching TV and say, oh, like I'll watch the Mariners game. And then, you know, my dad would come in and watch a little bit of the game and my mom would uh, watch some of the game, too. And she actually became much more of a baseball fan because it was a way to connect with me. And so I think that that was a really cool thing to just have this uh, this everyday occurrence that was just kind of a staple that you know oh what else is what, what what's going on tonight I can just watch a Mariners game yeah totally
1: and there's a cold comfort I think to them being pretty bad for our whole life because or most of our life because you can watch it without that like like it's the complete opposite of watching football like you said where it's like every play is mm-hmm. so important whereas you know if it's mid-June and the Mariners are already 10 games under 500 you have that sort of ease of mind where it's like Everything that I watch from here on out is just for entertainment. I don't have to, like, analyze or, like, to some extent even care. Like, it's just it's just there. It's that thing that you go to and there's nothing else that you have, yeah. you know?
2: Absolutely. And I, I do think the fact that they were winning earlier on in my childhood was a big reason why I became a huge baseball fan. Yeah. But it very quickly became a little bit of a, a countercultural point of pride of – oh, yeah, I root for this team. Who cares if they're bad? They're my team. Yeah. And that makes me root for them even more, right? There are a lot of people that root for the Yankees because the Yankees win. And you don't, I don't blame them for rooting for a team that wins. That's more fun. But there's something kind of perversely wonderful about rooting for a pretty awful team year in, year out, and always just hoping, yep, yeah, you know, I hope they're going to be good. And yeah. if they're not, no big deal, like you said. But when they are good, it's going to make it worth it.
1: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And that's one of the reasons why I've been, like, longing for a playoff game to finally happen Mm -hmm. in Seattle. Because it's there's no one who's just, like... I mean, there are some people, but it's not like there's people in Mississippi who just bandwagon the Mariners the way they would the Yankees. Like, the people who are going to be at that next playoff game at T-Mobile are going to be, like, the true, like, I, you know endured this it's not I just like a thing that i there's gonna be the rich people obviously who scoop up the good tickets but like the ones who are like really there and really like giving their all are people you can tell who have like lived and died with the team whereas i think yankee stadium is gonna have people a, who just live in new york like i don't think there's that much people in seattle who are like you know who would just like stumble into a mariner's playoff game like they'd have to be pretty invested i don't think it's one of those things where like You treat it like a movie where it's like, oh, let's go see what the Mariners are doing. Absolutely. And I I
2: also think that the random people in, you know, Mississippi, let's say, who become Mariners fans, they do that because they loved Ken Griffey Jr. Or they fell in love with Ichiro in 2001 and then stuck with the team. And I think that reason of kind of, quote-unquote, bandwagoning becomes a real fandom if you stuck with this team for this long. And so that's a wonderful thing, too. But just the idea, your your latter point about people showing up to games i'm going to the sounders playoff game tomorrow with a a friend from out of town Mm -hmm. she's never been to a professional soccer game before i'm a sounders fan but not a diehard i must watch or go to every game it's more like oh yeah tickets were you know 30 bucks including fees right i can go to a game that'd be fun yeah it doesn't really matter that it's a playoff game whereas like you said when the mirrors are in the playoffs yeah It's Occidental is going to be crazy. The city is going to be talking about that game, you know, for the entire month of September, and is going to be so excited when it finally comes around in October, and that is going to be such an incredible payoff. I really hope it happens soon.
1: And that's kind of what we have to tell ourselves, unfortunately. Like, I don't know you. I feel like you're a more optimistic, positive person than a lot of us. Yeah. But like, I'm curious how you. Approach this whole thing, like this thing being the Mariners with both like your sort of innate positivity, but also knowing what you know about baseball and how like there's not been a lot of hope essentially. So I'm wondering how you watch the Mariners knowing before the season even starts that it's going to be bad and still kind of have that gusto.
2: Yeah, I think that's tough. And honestly, that's something that I have struggled with, especially this season, you know, yeah. during the 13 and two start it felt like a mirage, but it was still fun to watch. Right. And then pretty quickly when we realized it was a mirage, it kind of took the wind out of my sails and made it harder for me to, to commit to watching baseball. But that said, I think you find, obviously, random diamonds in the rough that you can root for. I think you you find positivity around, wow, it's really fun to go to Kyle Lewis's you know, Major League debut. It's mm-hmm. really cool to see guys like shed long, or Jake Fraley start to actually play a role with the major league club. Yeah. And so you have to find things that aren't quite what a typical fan or a, a, a more normal sports fan would focus on and say, this is what I'm going to be looking for and this is what I'm going to keep following. I think that's a big reason why Felix developed such a cult following from you know his very first day in the Mariners uniform was the fact that the, the team was so bad when he was coming up in 2004, 2005 that you could follow him in the minor leagues and go, wow, this guy could be something special. And Mm -hmm. then when he debuts with the team, he sticks with the team, you realize, yeah, this is what I'm going to be rooting for. This is what I'm going to be following. At least once every five games, there is a really cool thing to watch. And there's a chance of something special, regardless of if the team wins or loses.
1: Yeah. And that thing you mentioned about like finding the Shed Longs and the Jake Fraley's is kind of what I was referencing earlier about like, how I can say Bobby Higginson to you and yeah. you know immediately who that is. Like it creates a bond for sure. Just shitty baseball in general. I think those where it's like, you know what I'm talking about? You've been in, you know, the trenches with me, so to speak, yeah. where it's like, I watched the 2018 Mariners or 2019 Mariners, excuse me. And like the whole time, sort of actively hated it, but that's why I loved it. You know, almost like a bad movie sort of thing.
2: And it's funny, it it, it elicits a different emotion than if I were to say, you know, to a Seahawks fan, what about Marquise Blair or Malik Turner? You know, those are just random end of the roster guys who in all likelihood will contribute as much to the Seahawks as a Shed Long or a Jake Fraley might. You know, we're not talking about blue chip prospects in either case. Um, But that said there's something romantic about baseball and about seeing these players develop and the hope that you have built up over many years that you don't have as much with football. Uh, I think football is, and other sports tend to be a bit more ephemeral and mm-hmm. having the long, slow build in baseball uh, creates this this bond between you and the random players on your team that no one else will know, but damn it, you know who they are. Yeah. And your fellow Random team fans will know who they are.
1: I know. I think baseball has, in a way, broken my football watching brain because I, mm-hmm. when I was a kid, like just from an attention span standpoint, it was much easier to watch an entire football game than it was to watch an entire baseball game. Yeah. And now that's flipped. So, like, after, you know, just the way the calendars work, after a whole season of watching the Mariners, then it's like, okay, time to watch the Seahawks. And the game happens, and you're like, that's it. Like, I have to wait six days and then i'm also realizing like i need to either like to actually consume a football game properly the way that i would want to as like the kind of sports fan i am like i really have to like turn everything off and like completely focus on every play because it's so weird how it's like that like ball snap so and so happens and it's over and you're, like okay like who did this like who blocked well who you know what was the route combination and all that whereas baseball i feel like it's much easier to like consume it at bat differently than you would a, a football play because you know that there's a grander thing coming does that make any sense or i think like...
2: so i also think the way that one consumes baseball can happen even outside of watching and following games it's hard to mm-hmm. follow a football team closely and it would be strange to follow a football team closely if you didn't yeah. watch their games true if you're a seahawks fan you probably make time most Sundays to watch the games. And if you don't, you're probably not that much of a Seahawks fan, which is fine. It's just, why would you not watch the one time a week the team plays? Totally. But if you're a Mariners fan, you can watch bits of some of the games. You could watch very, you know, very little or maybe just highlights of all of yeah. the games. But you could still say, wow, Jared Kelnick was three for four again tonight. Oh, like, yeah. that could be pretty cool in 2020. Um, there, there's a different way of consuming each at-bat and, and each game. And I, I do think the way that one watches a baseball game can it, – it, it's much easier, I think, to casually watch a baseball game in and, and kind of the back of your mind and have it as a comfort food yeah. and have a football game be – the, you know, big meal that you've thought about all week that you make time for and you go and, and really focus on while you're there and you appreciate the ambiance of the restaurant and yeah. the great service and, and you end up paying way too much for it at the end, you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. it was this expensive. It's very different from like, oh, like, it's that fast food that, you know, not the healthiest but not bad and always makes me feel good afterwards. Yeah.
1: The Mariners are my taco bell. I get it. <laughs> exactly. I actually really like that analogy because I also feel like Uh, Sometimes It happens in basketball too Any of the sports That are a little more Fast paced Or with football Not Like the pace Is kind of similar to baseball Where it's like Play stoppage Mm -hmm. Play stoppage But there's just So much happening That I'll like Finish watching a football game Or basketball game And then realize Like I didn't really Retain anything You know what I mean Like I'm watching Mm -hmm. For the results Rather than the actual process Like I know You know So and so seemed like They were scoring a lot But I don't notice You know like in basketball I didn't notice their defensive rotations or like who was guarding who as much as in baseball it's like you you know the only thing you see on the camera is pitcher catcher hitter so it's like you can't miss anything in that you know what i mean yeah football, i do think can, if you're just watching the ball you miss the 20 other players that are doing stuff
2: i think for i don't know exactly how this affects my fandom of those sports but i do think there's much more rewatchability for football and basketball because yeah. like you said when you watch a play or you watch even an entire game there's always new angles you can watch new things you can focus on and new ways of taking in the information that you're you're seeing on the screen yeah. or in person whereas a baseball game like you said you're watching the pitch you're watching the, the catcher you're watching the hitter then you're watching maybe the fielders yeah. and Although there are certainly nuances that the more you get into baseball, the more you pick up on. Oh, look how they're shifting. Oh, look how the catcher is framing this. Look how they're uh, approaching this at bat. Uh, Those are the kinds of things that you can also generally pick up on while you're watching the game. And it's harder to have the time to reflect and uh, expand or expound upon moments, uh, small moments within the game
1: totally and football and basketball especially like people who are like like the smart football and basketball people and the ones who like do it for a living they'll tell you like you can't really learn anything until you watch the film like right you wouldn't do that with a baseball game like go back and break down the because it'd be the exact same thing the all 22
2: in <laughs> yeah. baseball would be horrible yeah
1: you i mean you would notice shifts and that's <laughs> probably it yeah like it would be more interesting, I think, in baseball to have a dugout cam, but they would never allow that. So it allow you to think along with the manager, but that will obviously never happen.
2: Oh, that would be a fascinating way to – the. it would be really cool to imagine listening into a manager and some of the conversations around, yeah. should we get this person going in the bullpen? Totally. How should we approach this at bat? That would be a fascinating view and only maybe foreseeable in, like, A spring training game or like a random exhibition game. Or one of those things where
1: it wouldn't be the same, obviously, but like one of those alternative broadcasts if they just had a bunch of ex managers who were kind of doing that along with you, that'd be really cool.
2: Yeah, maybe we just came up with the next great thing. (laughs) ESPN 8 The Ocho, it's a new prime program. I'd want
1: it to be managers who are also funny. Like, give me like, Lou would be great at that. Like a Terry Collins, maybe. Give
2: me whoever the Mets uh, the Mets bona fide choice uh, oh, for manager, no, the rumor. was Bombshell. Their bombshell, Bomb bombshell choice. choice who's apparently By the time this
1: comes out, they might have already revealed that. Well, or so, completely bungled it.
2: <laughs> all we know it's apparently not Alex Rodriguez who said ha 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 to John Heyman. <laughs> and it's not David Wright who said ha ha ha, but only three ha's. Oh interesting. So, I don't know but how Fort you want to interpret Haag it.
1: could actually be A-Rod trying to throw us off the scent, and then tomorrow he's going to be announced as the, as the Mets manager. Entirely possible. Maybe even probable. I hope so. I would love that. Um, when did you start to notice yourself thinking about baseball differently? Like, when did it shift from, like, mm. this is me as a kid watching baseball to this is me as an older kid or an adult being, like, why did you throw that pitch here? Like, why are we starting so-and-so? Why do we pay this person so much money?
2: It's funny because my answer to that is not that different from when I started being a baseball fan. Oh, really? Uh, I own, I'm a very proud owner of a first edition copy of Moneyball. Wow. and so as like that a, so much. as what a nine-year-old an eight or nine year-old I read moneyball and I at, at that point I read the book and told my parents I want to break Theo Epstein's record as the youngest general manager Aww. in baseball history you still which got time right I have I think a year and a half right, maybe we'll two make some years calls. um I do not think it's likely I followed in Theo's Footsteps for a little bit. I know. went to his university and I oh, edited flex. the sports section that he also edited. Double flex. Um, Did not get as drunk as he did during some of those times. Whoa! I don't want to go into this is too much. An but, interesting uh, direction. All I know is that I, I, I did not completely follow in his footsteps, um, which we can certainly talk about later. But. Uh, um. You know, I, I I read Moneyball from an er, at an early age, and I was already really uh, a, a big fan of math and of numbers. Uh-huh. And it just kind of clicked. Whoa, this is cool to think about baseball this way. And I loved the blow by blow description of the trade room and what it was like when the A's were de- dealing for Ricardo Rincon at the trade deadline, and when they were looking at the draft and. Uh, drafting Jeremy Brown and Nick Swisher, yeah, um, and, and, there. and all these guys. Exactly, yeah. Jonah Hill there in person as mm-hmm. a you know struggling actor before he even <laughs> made it big. Uh, so it, it, it was that really affected how I viewed the game of baseball. I don't know if it affected me thinking about the shift or the other you know different ways of thinking about baseball, but it made me look at more of the off-season moves and the trades and the signings and the ability to use
1: statistics mm-hmm. uh, from, from early 2003 on. I love the idea of like young Grant being at a game and your dad or someone being like, hey, Grant, do you want peanuts? And you being like, shut up, dad. I'm calculating win probability. <laughs> <laughs> Did they even have win <laughs> probability in 2003? Probably not. in 2003 you could have pioneered it.
2: again, the whole idea of moneyball was just about using a statistic or using a thing that other people didn't properly value and the big thing then was on base percentage mm-hmm. right it was Gets on Wow base. people love Shay Hillenbrand. How dumb are they gonna be when they see his 300 average comes with a 330 on base percentage those dummies mm-hmm. and you know that was the that was the uh, the advantage at the time. And I've never been able to figure out the advantage before it's become huge in baseball, which I think is the difference between me and Theo Epstein. If you do that, that's how you become a famous general manager. Um, But instead, I'm able to appreciate why teams should be valuing certain things or not valuing certain things. And it's really interesting. As much as it pains me to say it, to, to see how the Astros have optimized towards many of these things now. Right. Uh, the fact that they're likely going to get through the entire season without issuing a single intentional walk is mind-boggling. Yeah. And that's a, a clear innovation where they said, we think there's value in not walking people to set up a double play. And has it been successful? It's you know kind of hard to say. I suppose you probably could isolate out those situations and take a look at it. But I think it's really interesting to see a team that is so hell bent on taking advantage of every single optimization that they can and have the carte blanche from ownership to execute all of those.
1: Yeah. Counterpoint, though, fuck the Astros.
2: I do agree with that. That was a really detailed take yeah. that is also objectively correct. But you're
1: right. Like, the thing that also blew my mind about the Astros this year, they were the first team ever to lead the league in pitcher strikeouts and have the fewest hitter strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Like, you couldn't even, like, even if you were trying to do that, which they probably were, that's still. Just insane that they mm-hmm. actually went out and executed it. And yeah. I think you're right about like the key is to obviously discover things first before other teams do it. And the Mariners, I mean, besides, I guess, finding Ken Griffey and being bad enough to take him 1 1, like they've never really had that like forward thinkingness, at least that we've seen play out in actual results. Maybe they had some idea that just fell on its ass. But
2: well, what's so disappointing, honestly, maybe the most disappointing part of my fandom was seeing. Jack Zarensic got hired and seeing Tony Bungino come in and have this dedication towards analytics mm-hmm. and this dedication towards optimizing around the ballpark and around things that other teams might not value as much. So having great defense and good pitching and playing up to the, the Safeco field at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Getting Franklin Gutierrez and right. and, and, and all those Wilson. moves. Yeah. And, and that was uh, a winning team and you got excited about it. And then it turned out that the, the uh, dedication to and attention to analytics and having this was, I don't want to say a complete front or a farce, but mm-hmm. it was clearly not as thorough as, it, you know, as, as many thought or as the media portrayed. Yeah. And I think that was a letdown for, I don't know, for all fans, at least for fans like me who were excited to see this change and excited to see what might happen and then to see kind of the same old trope play out time and time right. again.
1: It was very like reads fangraphs once sort of thing <laughs> and the man was like oh we got it we figured yeah. this out <laughs> you ever seen this
2: fangraphs glossary thing like <laughs> yeah. wow
1: statistics right who knew yeah it says here we should sign sean figgins what do you guys think
2: mm. no we should go all in right now for 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 all these guys this yeah. is gonna be it
1: carlos silva is just out there anyone can have him
2: yeah it's i mean what a world yeah. carlos silva there all it takes At is that money price?
1: <laughs> gotta do it um, so this is probably a good segue then into your time actually behind the curtain working for the Seattle Mariners. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, give away all the industry secrets that sure. you can. Please tell us all the passwords, uh, best bathroom in, in the stadium, uh, things of that nature. But also, the big question here is how did actually being on the inside of a thing that you grew up loving and worshipping to some extent, how did being inside it change your approach to the Seattle Mariners.
2: Yeah, well. so a little bit of context first uh, for those of you who might not know me very intimately as friends. Uh, I <laughs> had two internships while I was in college with the baseball ops department of the Mariners. On um, the That's the glamorous side of things. The less glamorous side is that my one-time office was actually outside of the actual front office by a door that you need to swipe into. Oh no. And the office I was in has now been converted into what is known as a wall. There is no more door. (laughs) It is just a wall over it. And So it uh, it was at the time a glorified supply closet and now it is not even glorified. Nor is it even a supply closet. That's tough. Uh, but that said, I mean, it was an incredible experience, right? I'd be lying if I said anything else. It's really cool to work for a baseball team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an incredible summer job in college to be able to be at the ballpark every day, uh, to, to work with, with, with people and, and kind of see how decisions are made to a certain small degree. I mean, yeah. I I can't say I had much impact on decisions. I can't say I was... You know, it's not like Jack Z was talking to me and saying, hey, Grant, what do you think I should be doing right you now? You weren't
1: the Jonah Hill of the Mariners. I
2: was not the Jonah Hill of the Mariners, although I do have a friend who was actually one of the guys that said, hey, we should try trading for uh, Denard Spann and oh, Alex Colomay. That's cool. Um, so that was what he did as part of his season-long internship, and now he works for the team full-time. Wow. Uh, so this was a, a summertime internship that was – both less involved, and uh, I was not nearly providing as much value as that.
1: So, okay, two questions. One, what seasons were these, and then what was the day-to-day for Graham Brown? So the
2: seasons were the 2014 and 2015 seasons. So 2014 was a great season, and then I came back in 2015, and it was a less great season that— the last home game I was at was a no-hitter by Hisashi Wakuma, okay. and then a week after my last day, uh, Jack Z was fired, so <laughs> it was, you know, I guess Charles that Dickens said it, yeah. it was the best of times, it was the worst of times.
1: That's just, uh, that's the whole podcast, that's, that's, that's Mariner fandom. That is Mariner yeah.
2: fandom right there, a no-hitter on a random August afternoon, yeah. really?
1: Yeah, I actually, that was, that was a Wednesday, That and, was. And yeah. know, weather was shitty, uh, I had two tickets that I got late, like maybe a day or two before the game. Mm-hmm. And my friend, who was the only person who could conceivably go with me, had to work a shift at the Lids store at Bellevue Square. So mm. he couldn't make it. Everyone else that... All my baseball-watching friends had jobs that they couldn't really wriggle yep. out of. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go by myself. I'm not going to waste these tickets. And I saw no hitter. It That's was pretty amazing. incredible. Yeah. I, uh, I
2: went down and... And had, you know, we, we sat in these tickets on the 100 level. It was pretty sweet tickets, unsurprisingly. And I thought, yeah. well, there's some work I need to do to finish up my internship. But, like, I'll at least watch a couple innings of the game. You, you honestly get a little spoiled when you're seeing games every single day right. for, for a summer where you say, well, I don't need to be in the stands right now. I can watch it on TV while I'm doing work. But, you know, an inning or two in, I realized Iwakuma hadn't allowed it hit. And I thought, well, I'll just stay here until he allows it hit. Yeah. Why not? And then, of course, he throws a no hitter
1: against a good team too. That was Yeah, the Orioles with Machado and good Chris Davis. Yeah, and that's back. an
2: important distinction. Good Chris Davis, not you know, arguably yeah. worst player in baseball history. Chris Davis, of the last. I mean, you said it. Years. It was
1: the best of times. It was the <laughs> worst of times. Uh,
2: but yeah, so uh, let's see. Going back to how that affected my my yeah. my fandom, did was that it, the most recent question? Yeah.
1: Did it sort of did the Mariners lose their luster, or did it feel more like when you were watching after? Like you felt like it was a job or like more of a less of a hobby, more of an obligation sort of thing. Yeah. So I don't know
2: how much of that is me getting older, how much of that is seeing the curtain, you know, kind of pulled pulled back. But it definitely did become more of a job. And I I stopped appreciating it as much. Um, I think I also I loved working with some, you know, on on baseball and with some really cool uh, baseball minds. Mm -hmm. But it ended up just being a lot of baseball all the time which is unsurprising if you're working for a baseball team, you need to be almost single-mindedly devoted to the team, the industry, if you're going to be you know, working for less money on a full-time salary because you want to be uh, moving up the ranks and eventually be you know, the, the, the decision maker for a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I, I realized I wasn't sure I had the, the focus for it, um, but it was still really cool to see. This is actually, you know, a, re- a reasonable facsimile for how decisions are made. Or, um, you know, my, my favorite time with the team was uh, each of the the draft day, each of the two years, and and being in the draft room with. A number of the scouts, both during the day and, and seeing players get taken and how that affected you know you know the, the the immediate machinations of who to pick, but also seeing the board created over weeks and weeks, where there would be meetings with scouts and they'd t- debate different players and watch video and talk about stats and and you know read their psychological assessments and and say okay right, you know sure. I think this person should go here yes exactly <laughs> figure out what their moon sign was mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Um and uh that so I think that was that was really interesting but it didn't necessarily give me a new window on how to be a fan it just made me realize that it's hard to be a baseball fan while you're working for a team yeah. because it ends up being your day-to-day occupation and the thing you think about all the time for some people that is awesome that's all that they want i don't think i was able to uh, get that much enjoyment out of it, and I started to lose that enjoyment. And so for me, I think I decided I didn't really want to
1: work in baseball as a result. Interesting. That's exactly what I was looking for. You really three-part essayed me right there. <laughs> Strong beginning, middle, and end. So as you age, uh, obviously, I feel like it's natural to develop other interests or mm-hmm. have, you know, you can't, I mean, you can, obviously, it's you know your own prerogative, but you can't just, you know, devote... 24 hours of your day to baseball while also trying to make money and pay rent and have a social life and sure. all that so like where does baseball fit amongst your other interests as you get older do you have other interests that even rival sports in general or like where i'm guessing like the thing i'm trying to get at is as you become more of, more of a person which becomes i think more cynical naturally and you become a little more jaded How much energy can you allow yourself to bring to the Mariners? I think that's...
2: I I have a couple different ways of answering that. One is about how I approach sports fandom more generally, and one is how I approach bringing energy to fandom. I think Mm -hmm. to answer that second question first, I think the energy I bring is by getting a little less invested in being a sports fan. I'm no longer... Living and breathing with every single Seahawks game or with every single, you know, pitch or with with every move that the team makes, Um, I think I appreciate it and I care more about it than most people I meet in my day to day life. Uh, and people know that about me, right? They see, oh, you have how many Mariners bobbleheads in your room? You have, how many is it, by the way? I think it's around 25 or 30. Oh uh, it, I will say it helps when you work for the team, you get the, the free giveaways. Sure. So I got probably six or eight that way. So that's a, a bonus, but still. also still obsessive outside of that. Yeah. Um, so I think that I bring less energy to being a fan, and I'm, I'm less invested in the team, uh, but I still watch and follow along. Um, I think what's actually more interesting is that as I become older, my fandom becomes much more about everything that happens around the events, around the games themselves. I become much more interested in reading about the hows and whys and the the nuance behind moves and and plays and decisions. Yeah, podcasts, parody songs,
1: things of that nature, game
2: threads. I was going to say things like LL, fangraphs, Twitter. Obviously. um, Talking with friends, not just about, wow, he hit that home run, but, wow, like what a dumb decision to pitch to that player. Why would you do that given that, I don't know, he hits lefties so well, especially... Uh, when you're throwing him a high fastball, sure.
1: This is the Moneyball Grant. It's the Moneyball Grant yeah. coming
2: out, and and um, I think it also becomes about combining the sports things that go on on the field with the larger, the bigger picture, uh, political, socioeconomic trends, whatever else it yeah. might be, and talking about you know the role of money in sports, talking about the role of you know amateurism and the NCAA, talking about. Uh, coaching decisions and hiring decisions and trades and signings and kind of all the other uh, like moves and, and apparatus that surrounds these sports, mm-hmm. I've found myself kind of getting more invested in that. And so things like the NBA, like that's now a year-round league because of all the things that are happening offseason and the games that are happening during the season – Um, and writers like Zach Lowe who's one of my favorite basketball writers I love him in large part because he can geek out about the games and I can learn things I never would have known about how the Raptors approach uh, pick and rolls Mm -hmm. but I can also learn about things from uh, big signings to trades to uh, court and uniform design right like it it becomes so much more than just here's what's happening right now in front of you and so I think kind of combining those aspects is what's allowed me to uh engage in sports in a different way than when i was 7 8 15 20 years old
1: interesting so do you ever find yourself like having to uh like having your interests compete with each other like i'm sure it's happened at some point over one of these summers where it's like you know the mariners especially during the good years like oh the mariners are good i want to watch this but i also have you know real life people who I care about who want to see me. Like, how do you deal with that? Because I've the first year last year um, that I was working for LL was one of you know, at least the first half of it, we'll call it, was amazing. And yeah. I was like, oh my god, like I had this new opportunity. People are actually reading and listening to what I say about the Mariners, but then it's also you know, summer in Seattle and I had just moved out of my dad's house. and I was like, I want to live life, but I also right. want to stay in five nights a week and watch the Mariners play, you know the rays or whatever like something that no one else can really understand unless they're doing it with you like it's so hard for me to sort of explain it because there's almost no way to explain it like it's very hard to have someone who doesn't give a shit about the mariners understand Understand. why you want to watch a thursday night game.
2: absolutely and i think for me what often gave was watching the game and so it would be hanging out with friends following the game on Twitter, on Mm -hmm. the ESPN app, on, you know, like, by texting with with other people. Yeah, Um, good
1: old-fashioned Reddit stream.
2: Exactly. Thank you to our MLB streams. Please never shut it down.
0: Yeah, it's Um, getting dicey.
2: But I think that was what really helped me, uh, you know, kind of keep that fandom and have my other social and professional obligations. Uh, I think it's... It's definitely tough to figure out how to balance being a fan that wants to watch a lot with having other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I, I've, I've done it in large part because of the way I, I, I kind of approach my fandom that I just talked about. I enjoy watching games, but I can also watch the highlights later and get a lot of that same enjoyment back. And I can follow along with how other people watch it and what other people are thinking of the game. So I guess my my in, in some ways my fandom has gone from I love taking in every at bat, every pitch, and the rhythm of it all. And you know, just having that, that old friend Rick Riz, his voice over, you know, yes. in, in my ears for for two and a half hours. It's gone from that more regularly to occasionally that. And much more often Seeing how the game is going Watching highlights Maybe as they happen uh, Watching the, the full highlights afterwards And talking with people In person and online About what actually went on And the decision making Behind all of that
1: Yeah I think it's weird too To have an interest Be as all consuming And also I think the important part Is time based Like the Mariners Play at a set time Every night And if you're not watching it at that time you miss it you know like you know how other people will like do things with their life i that's not baseball. <laughs> i've heard i've heard about it but i've never actually that really seems done sketchy it. but like you know they'll even people who are just like really into tv like they can just do that because of the streaming era now at any time they want yeah you don't really have that luxury as a mariner fan unless you want to do the dreaded i'm gonna record this try to avoid the score and then watch it Later when I'm trying to like, When a normal person should be falling asleep Like oh I gotta watch this Mariners game Like it's weird to have something Sort of have that control over you
2: Well I think it's interesting And this might be sacrilegious to some of you listening But I think there are ways of breaking from that uh, Harsh Fierce kind of time Constriction uh, Restrictions yeah. I don't, Anyway, Words are tough I'm Words, words are really difficult Especially when you've got a beer in hand uh, Grant has had one beer, everyone. <laughs> talk about a crazy uh, Tuesday night. Is that what day believes? Take that, B.O. Epstein. Grant can
1: drink and talk about going to Yale and control himself, unlike someone. Uh,
2: I never said that. Um, <laughs> I'll say it. But, yeah, no, I, I do think that uh, there are ways of... Um, I forgot what we were talking about We were talking about following along with How to
1: navigate caring so much about something that's out of set time Yeah, and
2: I, I think I think there are ways now with both the ease With which highlights are available With all of the discourse online The, capital T, capital D, the discourse online Punks, you gotta get uh, on the discourse <laughs> The World Wide Web, <laughs> it's changing the game but, yeah, I mean, the, the ability to read the Seattle Times game recap, the LL game recap, mm-hmm. a, maybe a Fangraphs article talking about it, or uh, the highlights you might get um, that in a three- or four-minute package uh, yeah. online. There are so many ways of consuming the game without actually watching all three hours of the game yeah. that I think you can shift how you're a baseball fan. And I don't know if that is sacrilegious. I don't know if I'm less of a fan because I watch fewer games. You can make the case that I am. I'm not going to argue against that. I just think my fandom has changed. And especially as the team has gotten less good, I've spent more of my time watching those highlights and engaging about the team, but not watching every minute of the game.
1: Yeah, I think that's totally healthy. I mean, obviously no shade to anyone who is watching all nine innings for 162 nights a year and then probably also following to some extent the minor leagues or even just other MLB teams, but I think it's totally okay. Like, I don't really understand... I understand it, but I don't uh, align with this whole, like, fandom gatekeeping thing that some people do, where it's like, if you don't know... Every person who played for the Mariners this year, you're not a real fan. Get out of my face. Like,
2: but it's tough because if you're if you're a Mariners fan, I get being like, no, you know, you just started rooting for the Mariners in 2018 when they well, were yeah. winning. The like, fear is that I started be... when they were bad. Like I yeah. earned this. And the I fears understand... are going to be
1: good, and then it's going to be a Seahawks situation. Exactly. Like, yeah.
2: And I think that is what a lot of Mariners fans worry about, and why a lot of Mariners fans do some fandom gatekeeping because yeah. they want to differentiate themselves between the the more bandwagon fans, right? They want to say, no, I have a Matt. Castleback jersey, so I'm a real Seahawks fan. I, you know, Sean Figgins is a name that I once, you know, wrote soliloquies about. Uh, I, I'm a real Mariners fan, but yeah, no, I, I do think there are lots of different ways of watching baseball. I don't know how much of it is because the, the Mariners have been just bad for a long time. Uh, I don't know how much of it is because baseball games have gotten a little longer and a little less interesting, in my opinion, to watch all yeah. of. I don't know how much is me getting older and appreciating different things or me getting older and having different priorities or more things I need to be doing. But I think some, to some degree, all of those factors have combined to uh, completely change how I watch baseball. It's not, Oh yeah, I come home, I turn on the Mariners and then I just watch that game and do other things in the background. It's I come home, I will follow the game thread. I will follow Twitter. I might have the game on in the background, but I, really just kind of listening and then i'll watch the highlights afterwards
0: yeah
1: i've definitely um grown into appreciating baseball on the radio a lot more i Mm -hmm. think it's great especially like if you are trying to get some stuff done and you don't want to have like a visual distraction just having rick riz who i'm partial to no offense to aaron goldsmith or gary hill but riz is just the one that i like It's like your parents' voice, you know, like when you're in the womb and then you hear it outside of the womb, it's like there's science behind it. I
2: often do think about hearing my parents' voice while I was in the womb. Yeah, but
1: no, like that's actually like (laughs) a thing Like you're supposed to – not to get into raising children because I cannot claim to be an expert. (laughs) But apparently there's a whole thing of like if you, you know, you talk to your baby while it's Mm -hmm. in the womb, then when it comes out, it's more – you know, familiar with you and more comfortable with you. That's how I feel about a man I've never met named and Rick Riz.
2: What's funny is that I think I have a bit of the same association with Steve Rabel uh, okay, for the yeah. Seahawks because he's done Seahawks games for so long. But there's something so infinitely comforting about Rick Riz talking about the Mariners. You know, yeah. like, like hearing his voice just makes you slip into the, the same feeling. Same with Dave Niehaus, right? Yeah. Hearing his voice makes me slip into a more carefree time where even though... The vast majority of what we watched were crappy Mariners losses on random, you know, May afternoons or evenings. What I remember are the incredible walk-off calls or uh, dusky twilight in summer where the Mariners were up four to three, and you know, you you, you have the fond memories. And I don't know if that's maybe that's just a defense mechanism of the human brain focusing on good memories, but it's it's pretty cool to have that with the radio and have that relationship just with the voice. In a way, I don't think you get with other sports to the same degree.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of like with anything where if you're, you know, if something is objectively bad, but you see someone else caring so much about it, like Dave mm-hmm. Niehaus said, then you, like, it's infectious in that way where you're like, well, if he cares this much, I, the least I can do is, like, too man You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't want this person who's giving their life to this to not have anyone appreciating it. Yeah. And I realized recently to go back into, like, the whole... This is my interest, but it's also become more than that. Like, I realized pretty recently that, like, sports and music are kind of it for me. Like, that's all I really do. Like, I don't have those other hobbies, like, at least material hobbies, where it's like I don't have, like, a, you know, Wednesday night book club or, like, I don't know, rock climbing or whatever it is that other people are doing. Are
2: those the two things that other adults do?
1: (laughs) if you don't like sports, your options are... Book book clubs clubs. and rock climbing? (laughs) And rock climbing. Take a note. They were just top of the brain. I don't know why. I've had a weird day. But, (laughs) you know, like, it's very interesting to have, uh, like, other people try to weave their life into mine where it's, like, people will give me... T V recommendations. I'm just like, who has the time? It's baseball season. And then baseball season will end and I'm like, oh maybe I should get into one of those TV shows people are telling me about. And it's like, oh no, wait, I gotta stream King's Magic or whatever. Like something that nobody cares about. You know what I mean? Where it's like, why are you watching this basketball game in Sacramento when there's a whole world out there? And it's like I just decided, I guess, subconsciously that Sports was the thing that I will treat the way other people treat social lives outside of their house, or even just you yeah. know other entertainment-based things that are more acceptable as like a a hobby. Sort yeah, of
2: thing. I think we all figure out the the hobbies and the loves that we want to spend more time paying attention to and and consuming, and I mm-hmm. think. You know, for people who are sports fans, sometimes they're casual sports fans, and that's great, and they're able to, you know, occasionally watch a Mariners game, and more accurately, occasionally go to a Mariners game, and rarely ever watch a game on TV, and then do other things, but still be a Mariners fan. Yeah. Um, And then sometimes they're also recording Mariners podcasts on Tuesday evenings with multiple framed pictures of Safeco Field in view. That is a good. From here.
1: Yeah, to paint a picture for the listeners. Uh, To my right is a fairly large telescope, but then just past that is a framed photo of 2018 opening day. Uh, That's exactly what what it is, yeah. All right, yeah, there's a red carpet in the outfield. It is a picturesque gray day, and the Mariners are getting ready to have what they do not know yet will be a very tumultuous season. And I think that's actually a very nice thing to have looking over my shoulder. As we create this art. Also over here to my left is Jackie Robinson uh, watching the other team celebrate, which feels a bit heavy handed for what we're doing, where it's like if we're Jackie in that situation, we have to watch every other team actually enjoy baseball, whereas we're like, when will it be my turn? As yeah. we're also, I'm assuming you are frantically Googling the World Series.
2: Well, no, score. I was just noting the fact that you noticed that as Jackie Robinson watching the game when most people would say that's Ralph Branca allowing the shot heard around the world to Bobby Thompson to, oh, really? to win the pennant. It is... was the Giants win the pennant, Giants win the pennant, Giants well, win the okay.
1: pennant. Well, okay, the way that the photo is framed, I don't even see Ralph Branca. Uh,
2: you might notice Bobby Thompson and Ralph Branca's signatures on the, the picture. I mean, they're wow, not real signatures, flex. but... Uh, it, they're not real signatures They're printed on sure. I'm not trying to claim That this is actually Signed by them But regardless The point is That's how most people Would recognize the picture But yeah There there are three Framed baseball pictures In view Some people Just get really crazy Obsessive around sports yeah. There's also a framed picture Behind oh, you Oh yeah It's great As you have, uh, have Seen before of uh, the NBA teams, circa, I think it was 2004, 2005?
1: Heavy mid-2000s vibes. The Sonics are still in play here. The Charlotte Bobcats are still in play. Every logo is pretty much outdated by this point. And I think that's really like, to tie a bow on this whole thing, Like that kind of encapsulates this whole thing that we're talking about. Where it's like, Mm -hmm. at a certain point, our little brains decided that this thing that a lot of other people treat as like Oh, I'm going to go out with my friends who have tickets. We're going to go see a baseball game. We're going to go see a basketball game. Or like, you know, my dad was into it. I grew up doing it with him and then it phased out. Us, we're still doing it. Recording yeah. a thing about us talking about the thing while remnants of the thing are sort of watching us do this. It all feels very appropriate to me. At least. Yeah. I don't know if that resonated with you. No,
2: I, th- I think so. I think we all... Treat this game and this, you know, love of a pretty mediocre at best baseball team. Absolutely. We all take it seriously because there's something about it that resonates with us. There's something about the consistency of baseball every day, or, you know, analyzing a sport in different ways, or just the crack of the bat and Mm. watching it, whatever it might be. People fall in love with different parts of it, but we definitely fell hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, I
1: think for me, it was the steroids. Huge fan of steroids. Yeah, I like. You know how you were reading the newspaper and you were like, "Oh, what does eight dead mean?" I was like, "Where do I get these steroids (laughs) I keep hearing about?" I want to hit
2: dingers. So that explains the twenty to thirty pounds of muscle gain that you've had in the last six months.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what's happened. Uh, I think it also helps the podcasting. You know. Oh, huge. It's not like because obviously you know it's for short bursts of energy, which is kind of what a podcast. Yeah. A little
2: bit of stamina, a lot more rage. That's really exactly what you can ask for.
1: Okay, I have two more questions before we wrap. One that I was I was kind of Chewing on it As we were talking Because I think We've danced around it Um, The whole conversation About how For some people Their fandom Is at different levels My question for you is Do you get mad As such a You know Dedicated baseball fan Do you get upset When people talk shit About baseball And say Mm. that it's Boring Or like How do you You know Because it's definitely A thing As much as baseball Itself wants to Kind of sweep it Under the rug Like America's Losing interest In this sport
2: one of my, my best friends from college Is a huge sports fan You know, knows every sport intimately mm-hmm. uh, Just, you know, really, really uh, Goes deep on it And he absolutely hates baseball And he will tell me all the time He will gleefully remind me Because he loves gleefully poking fun at me sure. uh, That baseball sucks And it's a dumb game And it's boring and stupid And he hates it uh, And I think you know, I, I don't get mad at people who dislike baseball. I think I am at odds with people who enjoy making fun of others for the things that they like. Yeah, let people um, like what they like. And I think that there's a lot of arguments as to why baseball isn't the most exciting sport. And I don't actually disagree with that with, with, with many people. I think if it's harder to become a big baseball fan if you don't kind of fall in love with the romance of all of it at some point in your life. For many people, that's when they're younger and they kind of say, Wow, it's fun to just watch baseball. When well, and and did you out. play baseball? Also. I played that baseball and yeah. you know, knowing the game that way and just kind of having fun and, and hitting a ball and fielding and and just hanging out in the dugout, like that's a really cool thing too. But if you don't play and you don't fall in love with it when you're younger, it's not impossible to become a fan. Plenty of people become fans later on, but it's harder because you have to really fall in love in this way that I think is much easier for a child to do. And if you don't do that from either a young age or from that perspective, I think it's just it can be really difficult to, to get into baseball. And so I, I get why people don't. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I would agree. Like, don't hate people or hate on people for. Uh, Being a fan of something that You know you don't really like Like, I do think
1: it's unequivocally the least Approachable sport because Football it's just 16 games It's once a week it's on the weekend You can you know it's much easier to be A casual football fan I think than a casual Baseball fan and basketball also a Very long season people don't really talk about That when discussing basketball but I think The excitement of The coolest mm -hmm. basketball play is Probably I would say The best of any sport I don't know if you agree with that maybe that's just my own personal bias. I would
2: I would say a soccer goal might Ooh. go over that because of how excited the commentators get, how rare they are, sure. um I and even think about how the whole game builds up to even opportunities where it might happen. Um but you know, I do think there is there is more in-game drama in I would say uh, basketball, football, really, most sports compared yeah. to baseball. Baseball, the in game drama is very much limited to like the eighth or ninth innings, yeah. maybe a little bit more in
1: playoff games. And a lot of it um, is like you kind of creating it in your head. Like the yes. more you know, the more you can be like, oh, that's interesting that he threw that pitch. That's interesting that. They're Not stealing, like all of those things become much more. A baseball
2: apparent. game where a team scores seven runs in the first inning yeah. is boring, makes the game really boring to a lot of people right away. Um, but especially if it's a playoff game, you're like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy. Historic I cannot game. believe that the Cardinals scored this many runs in the first inning of game five of yeah. the NLDS. I mean, yeah, that'd
1: be equivalent to like in the first ninth, whatever that, you know, scoring fifty points in the first whatever. in the first six minutes. Yeah. It's
2: basically like, oh yeah, the Seahawks took a twenty eight nothing lead in yeah. five five or six minutes into the first quarter. you're like, wow, this is fun. Like this is awesome.
1: You're like, wow, I didn't even know we played the Jets but, today. N-
2: <laughs> <laughs> but like what else is gonna happen the rest of the game? Like that game is over. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay, then last question, because this wouldn't be a Mariners conversation unless we got into our feelings a little bit. What was your lowest point in Mariners fandom? Or when I say mm. darkest moment Involving the Mariners, what's the first one that comes to mind? Darkest moment involving the Mariners.
2: I would probably say... The, the the first thing that comes to mind is not one specific moment, but really just the time after my hopes have been completely dashed. Oh, Jesus. So, I would say much of August and September of twenty eighteen. Yeah, that was bad. As one example where, you know, like like in twenty nineteen I never thought the team was actually good. And so when the team was predictably bad later on, it was okay, this is kind of as expected. There are yeah. still things to look for. But I was so damn sure when Mitch Hanniger hit that walk off home run in the rain against the Angels to on take Facebook like eight game an eight game lead over the Angels mm-hmm. in the division. I was like, you know what? we're going to make the playoffs this year. Like This team is actually pretty good and, more importantly, is in great position. It would take a pretty big fuck-up to not make the playoffs. And then then guess what happened? (laughs) And seeing that air just get slowly let out of the balloon for three whole months was a really demoralizing thing. And I think um, it's nice to have a few months to just decompress and forget about baseball after that kind of a thing happens, but... I think that's probably—those kinds of moments are, are my lowest moments. I mean, the last time the Mariners made the playoffs, I was both eight years old and sure that we would make it again the next year because, right. you know, they just won 116 games. Of course, they'll yeah. make the playoffs the next year. And your spreadsheets
1: probably said that they would make the playoffs. You would they think. They a good team.
2: Yeah, they, they won, what, 93 games and then 93 the year wow. after that, too. And then suddenly they went 69 in 93, and nice. things were a little less impressive. and uh they stayed bad and then didn't actually get good but had one false start of a year uh-huh. um, yeah I, you know it, it's funny that the strongest memories I have of the Mariners as a team probably were in the last you know four or five six years yeah. even though I've been a fan since,
1: 2001 yeah no, me too i mean that's obviously in large part due to our age but my most like indelible mariner memories are the canoe era so to speak yeah 2014 2018 were probably the most fun i've had because like you said when we were kids like you don't know anything different it's that whole conversation of like would you rather be born blind or have the ability to see and then lose it you know what i mean that's what 2018 was like like, i don't know if i would have rather had them be bad all year or have that heartbreak that came after thinking that they were going to actually do
0: it.
2: Absolutely.
1: All right. Well, thanks bud. This was a wonderful conversation. Um, for those listening at home, we're going to be doing these literally all off season. So if they get too sad or maybe too grating, please do let us know. And we can try to pepper in a little more positivity, but we're going to try to give you at least one of these every week with a different guest, um, smash the hell out of that subscribe button and uh, read LookoutLanding.com. Grant Bronson, anything to plug? Uh, right now, the Nationals have a
2: 5-3 to three lead in the seventh inning, so I'm going to plug the Nationals okay. bullpen.
1: Well, Please come through. Do you understand how once. this works? This is going to come out tomorrow morning. The game's going to be over.
2: I, I understand <laughs> the concept, but I'm hoping that by plugging it, I will make the Nationals bullpen actually be functional for
1: once. All right, Grant has ensured that Fernando Rodney will somehow throw a pitch over the fence, resulting in a run for the Astros, and lose probably... in the worst possible way. Because true. you can take a man out of the Mariners, but you can't take the Mariners All right. out of then I'll, I'll, the man.
2: The one actual plug I will give is uh, play Wiffle Ball. It oh. is really fun. You think it is a game for 8-year-olds, but oh. I tell you, oh, it is God. absolutely a great game for 26-year-olds. And... Eight year olds alike.
1: This is so on brand. We started with Grant talking about reading Moneyball as a nine year old, ending with him plugging Wiffleball.
2: Honestly, nothing has changed. Every single one of my elementary
1: school teachers would be proud. They sure would. If they could see us podcasting, mm. oh my God, full hearts. Absolutely. Right, thank you for listening. This was Lookout Landing Podcast. Goodbye.
2: Bye. Bye.